That's good. And we're back. <laughs> it looked like everyone had really great, honest, I hope, um, enlightening conversation. So we'll just open it up to everyone. Did anyone learn, hopefully or learn something new, but did anyone learn something that they wanted to share or have a question or just want to like speak your piece? You'd love to open it up. Yes. Hi, I'll pass you the mic. You can introduce yourself however you would like. Thank you. Hi, um, my name is Mallory and I wanted to know, I was talking to Lauren, um, she doesn't plan to have kids, and you know that came up right away, and I felt like that is kind of to your point, like an important conversation for us. I have two kids, a 12-year-old and an 8-year-old, and um, I am very interested in talking about motherhood, but I'm also really interested in not talking about motherhood. <laughs> so I feel like, you know, and I come here to the wing, and it's lovely to interact with people about all kinds of subjects. Um, but I also have a podcast about momming and I love talking about it too. But I think that the conversation should really shift into a place where we do think about like what it's like for the next phase. Like to your point of like feeling bad that you never like, that women were, moms were invisible to you. Um, I feel like it's a good time for us to all make sure we're seeing everyone, everyone's visibility in terms of like generations of women. And I think we can all kind of really learn a lot from each other. Um, those who don't have kids who choose not to, those who do, those who are grandparents, those who are older women who choose not to have kids. I just think there's so much richness there. And um, I'm just excited about that. And I'm excited you guys did this tonight and that there are so many, you know, of, of parents and not parents. I think it's, it's really, really cool. And just want to say that. So that's what I learned. Yay. Wonderful. I'm going to just be out here. I'll move the mic around. <laughs> All right, Oprah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we got someone over here. I, I had a question about um, one. Hello, Lose. Hi, my name's Lolise. Um, I had a question about um, one's relationship with their body. I've always found in some way a discomfort with my female outgrowings, you know, for whatever reason, I felt in some ways that they were a, a threat to my safety. Um, and I wanted, I wanted to know if there's like a prerequisite of sorts to be comfortable in your female body, because I think even just the reproductive part of my body is something that makes me really frightful frightened, you know, first I have to accept that I have breasts and that, you know, that I have a vagina and all of that stuff. And it's not like I, 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 I do have penis envy, but that's only because I'm curious how it would be. I, I don't, I don't identify as queer. I don't, I, I love, I think I'm okay with, with my body, but I'm just afraid of the vulnerability that comes with being a female-bodied person. I think I've always felt fear of men taking away stuff from me, and that felt like, and so I, I don't know, what, what is the, is there a prerequisite um, in some ways to being a mother, like to be comfortable with your body? No, it's the scariest thing you'll ever do, and the reason we don't have that good relationship to our body is because of white supremacist patriarchy. And um, patriarchy. yeah, but, but it starts, <laughs> it's all connected, um, I think at least. Um, I, you know, one of the most amazing like thoughts I had right after giving birth to my first child was I had um, my friend come over. I am queer, I've always, dated both men and women, my very queer female friend came over and like a few days after my daughter was born, she was like, what was it like? And, and you know, I was like, it was really painful and it was scary and all these things. And she's like, but don't you think that's why they're so afraid of us? And I had never even thought of it like that because, and the amount, you know, I, 
I know that, you know, I'm like a skinny white lady and I wear sample sizes. And when I tell people that I have, but whatever, when I tell, I mean, even today I mentioned, oh, I have three kids again and again and again, people will say, oh my God, you're so thin. You're so this. And what I always respond with is that women are amazing and we are powerful and we can do this, whether we choose to or not, it doesn't matter, but our bodies can do this incredible thing. And we have been taught that like, if you think about it, the messaging around childbirth is that it's gross, it's dirty, it's painful, it's something to be ashamed of, right? And if there was some way, and I don't have the answer for it, but to reclaim that power, because honestly, I can't think of three more powerful days in the days that I gave birth. And however that manifests itself, you know, that's power. You are making a person. Like, what are you dudes doing? You know, um, so... We need like a Vogue fashion video of a birth. There, yeah. but you know what? In a winter, if you're listening. There are a lot of, <clears throat> I don't know, I felt the sexiest when I was pregnant that I've ever felt in my life. I felt the most attractive. I took, I think, the best photos. I had a really, I think, sexy photo shoot while I was pregnant. <laughs> I had a few. I really did it up during my pregnancy, but uh, I think I took the best photos I've ever taken in my life when I was pregnant and just really, I mean, this is is layered and mixed, but I also got hit on a lot when I was pregnant. That's weird. Um, But... (laughs) But I really enjoyed it, and I, prior to, I say prior to that, I've had tons of body image issues. And I always felt like I wasn't quite skinny enough or the, my butt wasn't big enough because I would like to have a fat ass. Or maybe like I want my tits a little fuller and now that I'm postpartum, ooh, now I gotta wear Spanx because like, ooh, my stomach pokes out. You know, there, and then you, there, that's, I don't know. There's no answer. You gotta deal with your shit because that's really about you. And there is no prerequisite to like how you're supposed to feel. It's really like, everything that we have taken in our entire lives, and then the things that we put on ourselves. And, and for me, pregnancy really allowed me to take all of that off, because your stomach's gonna be out to here. And there's something that's really freeing and liberating about that, and your boobs grow, and your hips spread, and sometimes your nose gets big, or your lips get big. It's nice. You know, and there's, you have no control. You have zero control in it. And there's something really beautiful when you lack control. You know, when you can't suck it in anymore. You're just like, ah, it is what it is. And so for me, it, I don't know. I'm still trying to deal with that shit now. now. I yeah, don't... I mean, now. Now. Now that I have stretch marks on my stomach and I didn't have that before, I'm like, but I'm only 30. <laughs> you know, I'll never be able to wear a bikini again. Oof. But not true. But yeah, but, but not true. And I know that the, it's an evolution. And for me, I'm really excited because now I can start really have to start thinking about myself differently. And I think it's just a process. All right, guys. You guys are also nice. Can I say one thing? Mm -hmm. Because this was actually... This is it, though. This is the last thing. Somebody said to me right before my daughter was born, somebody who had had lots of older kids, um, and it seemed ridiculous, but I've stuck with it. Um, She said, just don't, in front of your kids, don't talk about your body. Don't talk about other people's bodies. Tell them not to talk about other people's bodies. If you're talking about your body, you're talking about your period or your, you know, like your sore throat or functional things. And I have to say, I have stuck with that and it has changed my relationship to my body. I like myself so much more. I don't think that any of my kids are having body issues. And when... And, and like I said, you know, you stay out of judgment with other people's parenting because that means there's something going on for you when you have judgment. But when I hear mothers especially talking about I'm fat or I'm, I can't, you know, whatever it is, um, it hurts. It hurts. And you see the way that um, kids respond to that. So I don't know. I'm going to leave you with that because I thought it was good advice. Well, Sarah, you're going to judge me today. <laughs> you might just have to. I think you're great. You, I'm allowing you to, though. <laughs> My experience was so different. Um, I, I guess, am as vain as they come. And I didn't know I was until I became pregnant. So cute. The photo shoots, the pregnancy thing, I was fine being pregnant. It was an excuse. I was allowed, finally able to have my belly poke out and you know, not be judged. But once I delivered that baby, guys, I was 
horrible. Like I hated everything about my ba- my body. Today, still don't like it. Might go to the doctor, might get a little something done if I choose to. Who knows? Still thinking about it. But guys, to be honest with you, I was that person who was running. Like there's videos of me on the track, nine months pregnant. I ran a mile the day before I gave birth because I was just so into making sure, and I hate myself for doing it now. I was so making sure. I'm like, I have an athletic body, I wanna maintain that body. I ran a mile the day before I gave birth, and I was like, yeah, because I'm gonna get my abs back. I didn't work, I was a, I'm a gym rat. Like, I'm in the gym three to four times a week. So, I was kinda, whole, I wanted that body that I had in 2017. I was like, this baby will not change me. I, it's big enough, she already took 10, 10, 40 weeks of my body. Once the 40 weeks are done, I'm going back to old Lizzie, and this is where I'm gonna have that six pack, I'm gonna wear my belly shirt, we're gonna be popping, I'm gonna be 20 again. I'm 21 today. I'm not, but. <clears throat> Baby comes, I have belly brains. And I asked my sister, who has two kids, I was like, wait, is it a genetic thing? Am I gonna have belly brains? And she's like, yeah. I was like, nah, nah, nah. I, belly brain, I call them belly brains, it's just loose skin, right? And I was terrified. I am terrified of that. I didn't want belly brains. I was like, no, 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 no. I worked too hard for the six pack to have belly brains. And there's a lot of people like Elise and you know, my husband telling me like, I love your body. If there's anyone who told me to love my body more than anyone, it was my husband. I'm like, yeah, say, you say the same. You say that, but you go to the gym and you, you rub on your abs. And I look at my stomach and I see loose skin. And I put on the jeans that I wore for 10 years and I can't wear it. I know I sound vain, but this is how I felt. And I hated my body. I still don't like my body today. And I didn't like my, my, that my titties sagged two inches lower. I was like, oh, hell no. And I'm like, how do I get this back? So guys, I was four weeks postpartum. And my doctor said I have to be in the house for 30 days. And she's like, I don't want you to do anything for two months. You have to allow your body to heal. And I couldn't understand time. I said, hell no, I'm not waiting another week not going to the gym. So guys, I, (laughs) so sad. My baby was born January 6th, February 6th. I ran to the gym. It was like my first time actually being outside. Ran to the gym. I've been suffering from ab pain. If I lean forward, I'm in pain. I couldn't get up. I could no longer get up from the bed without being in so much pain. It was agonizing pain, like excruciating pain. But I was acting like it wasn't there. I felt it. I couldn't touch my toes. And I was like, no, 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 this doesn't feel right. I was not content where I was. So I went on the track, still bleeding, by the way. Went on the track, and I went on the treadmill and tried to run a mile. It was painful. I'm peeing on myself while I'm running because my muscles are not there anymore. It's like, it's, everything is like loose. It's not, I didn't allow myself to heal. But I was telling myself mentally that I'm gonna get myself back to, no matter, at all means necessary, I'm gonna get back to where I was. And I'm literally trying to run, and I'm like telling my friend, I was like, I'm running, but I'm peeing on myself. Like, there's just, like, my, my entire leggings are drenched and, pee, and piss. And I'm like embarrassed, and I'm bleeding. And I'm, and I'm tearing, but I'm still running, because it's like, I gotta get this body back. And I'm just like, why didn't I allow myself to, to, to rest? I was like, I don't know what I was racing against this time to look back to myself. Long story short, I still look the same as I did last year. I don't know why I did all that for. I think you asked me what my results were. I'm like, I still yeah. look the same. Yeah, because we, we both were talking about, oh, we're going to like, we're going to get on this cleanse together. We're going to cut out carbs. Yeah. They're going to not have sugar. And I did it for like two days. I still I like look- to eat. Um, and Lizzie has been going to the gym faithfully. I will have sandwiches. I'm like, you want to bite? She's like, no, I'm not eating bread. I'm like, oh, wow, good for you. Um, and, but yeah, and I asked, I was like, so how's your progress looking? Look the same. She's like, I look the same. I was like, well, shit, you should have been eating the bread with me for all of that. <laughs> like, Seriously. So, Seriously. I mean, but, but moral being like, it's a, it's a process, yeah, right? It is a process. And, and you're, you know, I'm sure had. And a year from now, you'd want to tell Lizzie today, girl, relax, just like you'd want to tell Lizzie a year ago or when you had first given birth, like, don't get on the track. Yeah. Don't be so hard on yourself. Why are you running in pain? <laughs> running, bleeding, and in so much pain, I couldn't even get out of bed. But I just was pushing myself to an oblivion for no reason. And it was just me not being content with where I was and me not accepting the new me and a new version of myself. Um, I'm in smart. all the ways. In all the ways. And not embracing that... that those stretch marks. Um, and I hear people like, no, those are beautiful marks. Those are tender marks. I'm like, nah, nah. And I also think it's totally okay to feel however you want to feel, yeah. but to just be kind. Because I also got lasers on my stomach so that to get my stretch marks away. I don't give a damn, you know? Right. 
you and know? I'm, and I'm not saying that, I mean, look at me, I'm the vainest person in the world. But, <laughs> but, but it just takes time. It does. You know, and I went to the gym too early after my first pregnancy too. And and if you're bleeding, you got to stop. Mm-hmm. And then you figure, you know, and by the, I'm just saying by the third time, it just takes yeah. time and it comes back. That's all. So I guess the message that I was saying is that it takes, Lalisa, it takes, it does take, t- it took time for me to embrace my body. I'm still going through it and I know better, but I'm still always trying to challenge myself with, with no real reason at all. Um, and I'm okay. One day I'm okay with my body and the next day I'm flapping my stomach like, oh no, girl, we got to get rid of this. But overall, I am actually like stepping into my new skin and embracing it. And I realize that's all trash. And my six pack is still there, kind of, anyway. So. <laughs> I mean. I think that's something that I realized in like walking around the room and listening to people is that there's a lot of just not knowing and that that's okay, that the discovery process seems really beautiful for everybody. And even people who have like multiple children and are saying like, I didn't know what was happening and some still might not know. And that I think is a beautiful process especially for spaces like this. Like, I want this to be, I was just telling you, I want this to be magnified like a thousand times. Like, imagine the conver- just watching people have conversations and like so eagerly like listening and being inquisitive and like really learning and taking in from each other is so, so, so beautiful. And it gives me solace that like, you don't have to have things figured out and lined up a certain way and yep. to look a certain way, which is how I was raised to think like you find the partner and you have the house and the, it all needs to fit in these boxes. It doesn't need to be that way. And the more that we're talking and being transparent about what we don't know, the more I think it demystifies what it means to step into motherhood. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's why we started Cool Moms because it is absurd that women have been having children since the beginning of time and we still are so ignorant about what happens with our own bodies. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure you guys did not think you were going to come here and hear about somebody pissing on themselves while they were working out. You know, like, and, and you still have to show up and you have to get up and you have to go to work. And it didn't matter everything that happened before you got to work, the fact that you were bleeding, your abs were hurting, you have to show up and be prepared and show up for other people, for yourself. You want to look good, you want to sound like you have your shit together, and then you get home, and you have to show up at home for your partner and yourself and your children. And it's hard. And it's hard. And, and, I, and I think whether you choose to have children or not, I think the more we grow and the more we have these conversations, there's a level of respect that we have for ourselves yeah. that, that develops that I feel really proud now. I'm like, damn, I had no idea. No idea. This is what it took to be a woman, whether you choose to have children or not. Being an auntie is so important. Being a friend, being a community member is so incredibly important and vital in like raising children today. Everyone is a part of that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Any, did anyone else have any other? Questions come, yes, yeah. I'll make my way. I'm coming, I'm coming. Go ahead, Oprah. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, my name's Kelly. I have a one and a half year old. And that question made me think of something that happened a few months after I had a child. But my, six, my sister, who's six years younger than me, said to me, um, you know, she's thinking about having kids, but could never imagine herself physically being pregnant. And when I think about that, I definitely could not think of myself as pregnant, could not visualize it. Even now, having had a child, cannot visualize myself um, when I was pregnant. Unlike you, I did not take any photos, um, but that was also not my thing. I did not want to have pictures of myself being pregnant, didn't enjoy that, didn't post anything on social media, I think, for the reasons I didn't like the pictures of myself being pregnant. And then also, um, I think part of me was just paranoid you know, that something bad would happen. Um, but now, even thinking about potentially having a second child, I actually cannot visualize myself being pregnant again. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I don't know if that was part of your question, but I cannot visualize myself being pregnant, even having been pregnant. So I feel you. I got a kid, and I couldn't imagine doing that shit again. Same. <laughs> so. Hi, my name's Jamie. Um, I have a one-and-a-half-year-old also. And this plays into the um, body concept. She's, I have a girl, and my husband and I recently had a conversation around teaching her 
um, showing affection through giving hugs. And his family is very touchy-feely, emotional, which is fantastic and amazing. And he has three brothers, and they were all raised to be very in touch with their emotions and their feelings, and they hug a lot as a family. And my concern has always been if she says no, because she doesn't want to give somebody a hug or kiss them or whatever it is, we have to respect that. And his line is, no, this is our family. We hug our family. So we're having a hard time reconciling how we handle that and what the message is that we should be sending to her because his perception is the benefits of showing emotion through physicality outweigh or far surpass the potential for there to be an issue that could come up, particularly when it's your family. My perspective is I want to teach her it's her body and to listen to her body, and if she doesn't want somebody to touch her, she has the right to say, don't touch me. So I was wondering if you had any perspective, advice, thoughts on how I get him to understand that, because he is a man and has never had experienced that. Oh. Um, I think this is part of the emotional labor if you're in a heterosexual relationship of dealing with men. Um, uh, there's a lot of like talking around it and sort of caressing their egos and that is emotional labor. Um, but I, th I think you're right and that it's important to have a conversation. I mean, sometimes I think bringing it up when it's not... Um, a hot issue between the two of you and and you know unfortunately like I said it takes a lot of energy but I find myself saying you know I was thinking about blah 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 blah, blah and my feel you know this is how I'm feeling about it and then to find like a couple of whether it's you know a journalist who's been working you know a researcher an expert someone who's written something about it because um not only is it important for your daughter, and I think you're you're right. Like autonomy is really important, and, and but you know may, maybe um, for his siblings who might be raising children, like that's an important conversation. There's a lot of great material out there on consent and like how to talk to kids about consent, and also why that's so important. And I'm happy to try to think of what they are and share them with you. But it's worth the conversation. I just think in general it's good to bring it up when it's not up in the passion of disagreeing with each other. Um, not to answer your question, but to actually make a point. That is so strong, that message that you said, because now you had me thinking about how, um, I guess, in some recent documentaries I've been watching, there's been people, adults, who you know, emphasize that not insinuating that this is happening in your household, but things that we don't think about, like how molestation does happen within a home. You know, it's you know a lot. And I, I didn't think about that until, again, I became this magical mom. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, a lot of people have voiced that they might have been molested by a family member. So I think it is important for you to express to your family or your husband saying like, hey, I'm not saying that, you know, we have someone who would do this to our child, but it's important for her to understand when I don't want to be touched means I do not want to be touched. And for she can have that dialogue and vocally say these things out loud in precaution to a situation that can possibly happen where what if, what if a child is touched in the wrong way and they think, oh, we're family, so you, should you can touch me like that. And it might be completely inappropriate. Um, I'm going to think about that too. Now that you mentioned that, but that is such a valid, a, a valid thought that you had. It's actually very scary. Yeah, and the bulk of violence against women happens, you know, in partnerships. And you know, I just think for boys and girls and everyone in between, um, those are important conversations to be having. Mm -hmm. Um, I just want to say thank you so much, everyone who came out tonight. Thank you to Hawa and Sarah. Okay, ladies. <laughs> Liz. <Ew. laughs> uh, thank you so much to The Wing for giving us space to facilitate. Thank you so much for Anchor FM for giving us the platform to like reach people everywhere. If anyone is ever interested in podcasting, Anchor FM is like 
a super amazing, easy way to do a podcast. It's an app. You can find us on Anchor. You can find us everywhere where podcasts are found. And we would love to continue these conversations. We are on the internet. We are at Talk Cool Moms on Instagram. We answer our DMs. It is us. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And again, thank you so much. Thank you all for your time and your energy. We hope to do it again soon. Yes, thank you, everyone. Until next time. Until next time. I'm Elise. And I'm Lizzie. And you're listening to Cool Moms Podcast. Are we on the air? Good evening, everyone. Hello. Hi. Welcome. This is our very first recording of Cool Moms Live. So thank you so much for joining joining us. Oh, hey, hey. Hi, friends. <laughs> How many people in here have listened to or, or are familiar with Cool Moms podcast? Ooh. Fantastic. And if you're not, welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Elise Peterson. I'm Lizzie Opo. And we are Cool, cool Moms. moms. <laughs> Normally, I'm a little tipsy when we do this, and Lizzie doesn't drink. No, I'm good on water. <laughs> but, um, tip, yeah, tipsy is always a choice. <sighs> I was surprised you asked for water. I, oh. I thought you would have asked for I wine. would totally take a glass of wine. <laughs> um, so joining us today are Sarah Sophie Flicker. Hey. hey. And Hawa Arsala. Did I pronounce your name correctly, Hawa? Perfect. And we're just going to do like a quick run through introducing ourselves in a new special way. And then Lizzie and I are going to chat a bit and then we're going to join you all in. How does that sound? So this is interactive. Okay. Don't be scared to talk to us. Even the babies can talk. Yes. I brought my baby. He's walking around somewhere. So like I said, my name is Elise. I have a one-year-old son. So that's my connection to motherhood. I'm a Scorpio. That's why we get along. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what are you? I have a Scorpio moon. But what's your sign? Cancer. Oh. <laughs> I knew she was going to do that. You're so shady to cancers. Oh. Sorry. I'm a Gemini. Oh. I love like Gemini's, actually. Love, love them. Gemini. Slightly triggered, but love them. <laughs> Any hoots. Or <laughs> <Or> misunderstood. <laughs> So that's a bit about me and, and my connection to motherhood. And aside from that, uh, I've been in New York seven years. I am a storyteller and like to express myself in a bunch of different ways. We can talk about it later. Liz. Liz. <laughs> Hi, I'm Lizzie. Um, I guess my connection to motherhood is my one-year-old daughter, Irem. She's so cool. I love her. We got pregnant her. at the same time. We did. We planned it. <laughs> like a pact. <laughs> I was like, you ready? Um, I'm from New York, born and raised. I'm a designer. I'm an Aries. Yes. Lilo, are you an Aries? Close enough. Are you April? Are you an April Taurus? No, May. Okay. I am an April 7th. My daughter's April 1st. Oh! Your daughter's April 1st? Bring her. We're friends. We're friends. Yeah, thanks. I love you too now. <laughs> now I love you too. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's it. Um, I'm Sarah Sophie Flicker. I have three kids, uh, five, eight, and 11. Uh, I do a lot of things. I'm an organizer, an activist, an aerialist, an artist, creative director, writer, stuff like an that. An aerialist. I don't know if you guys caught that. <laughs> just, just drop that in there. Aerialist. <laughs> What's an aerialist? What's an aerialist? Um, I don't do flying trapeze, but I do static, like like rings? aerial, not oh. well a hoop, a which hoop, is called right. a, le- a lira. A lira. Oh wow, that's beautiful. Nice. Hi everyone, I'm Hawa, and I wanted to speak a little bit about all of our connections to motherhood. I am not a mother, but my name means Eve, like Adam and Eve, and growing up. 
I wasn't really a fan of that name because it was really hard for people to pronounce it. I came from an immigrant family, but over the years, I really begun to embrace it and kind of joke with my friends or like people that I come to know and they ask for the meaning behind my name that I am the first mother and everybody is my child. Um, <laughs> and you're a cancer, which is like the mother. And I'm a cancer, so it's like, and I'm post 30, so my hormones are really insane right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I ran into Elise on the street one night. Right with me. After, with you. Yeah. yeah. I ran into both of you on the street after a taping. And I just love the podcast and I love the way that uh, y'all are positioning motherhood and sort of like creating this transparency around the process. It's really been illuminating for me as somebody who is curious about motherhood and not really knowing too much about it other than like the instinctual things that arise within me and sort of growing up being really interested in having a child and then in my later 20s being really afraid of it and not really having the type of family structure that taught me about what it means to raise a child. So I think where we're bridging the gap tonight is in um, understanding the mothering perspective. So not just as a mother, but non-mothers also being able to understand what it means to hold that perspective and also show up for the mothers in your life or the mothering perspective in your life. So Hawa DM'd me and she told me that she listens to the podcast. And we have a lot of non-moms that listen to the podcast, which I think is fantastic. Uh, and she was like, would you be interested in having a non-mom on the show? And I was like, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for you. <laughs> However, <laughs> it did get my wheels turning about this idea that, you know, speaking for Liz, both Lizzie and I, we were some of the first of our friends to have children. I'm 30. Lizzie is grown, as she would yeah. like to say. Grown. I don't even know how, you, how old you are at this Fine. point. I, don't, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> Tight <laughs> secret. <laughs> but I wanted to... I thought it was a great idea to facilitate this conversation and to demystify motherhood because there's so many... I mean, we've been mothers since the beginning of time and yet we're constantly having a lot of these same conversations of balancing and maintaining a sense of self and identity outside of motherhood while still embracing this huge transition. And so us both being new moms, you're just like, I don't have all the answers. I have yeah. no idea. We're... None. Yeah, we're just a year into this thing. So we thought it would be really fantastic to bring on someone like Sarah Sophie Flicker. An old mom. <laughs> a veteran mother. A legendary mom. A legendary, iconic mother. Yes. Hall of Famer. And, and especially you, because I remember we were chatting, I believe I was pregnant. Maybe we were at a talk or a sample sale, one of the two. And you were saying that you were never interested or didn't think that you were going to be a mother. And now you have three children. How, how did that happen? Um, I'm an only child. I'm a Gemini. I was born in Denmark and then moved to the Bay Area. I just felt like I left that out. Um, so I have a husband. And when I met him, he said he wanted to have five children. He has four siblings. I'm an only child. And... Um, and then we got married, which like in retrospect feels so like retrograde and we feel like we should get divorced and just date to be like more modern. But so um, when it, you know, when we started talking about having children, I was terrified and we had to go to a couples counselor and the couples counselor said to me, there is no right time. You're never not going to be scared. This is the contract you entered into. You can either get divorced or you can get pregnant. And wow. I actually thought that was good advice. And yeah. I got pregnant and, um, and, then, and then after our second kid, he realized that five kids was way too many and I had to convince him to have the third. So you just never know. You really, wow. and it took me by surprise. Motherhood takes me by surprise and brings me to my knees daily. What's the age difference? 11? They're all around three years apart. Wow. That's how you do it. Wow. It's, I, I recommend that gap if you can work that gap out. <laughs> if you can plan that out. Yeah. Yeah. So this idea, again, uh, how I was going to... We're all in conversation with one another, but again, to bridge this gap between moms and non-moms, I wasn't planning on getting pregnant. Yeah, though. 
Yeah. Surprise. I still don't understand how I have a baby. I mean, it's not re- when you're not, not like taking precautions to not get pregnant. Then, then it can't be that much of a surprise that you got pregnant. I but it did happen. <laughs> and the idea that so that we were talking about the fact that motherhood is a revolutionary act, especially considering our social, political, economic, environmental, all of the climates that are happening today, choosing motherhood in a time that feels very unstable is such a powerful decision. I know, and then there's levels to that, right? I know for me, it was a very conscious choice to have like a black child during this time. Right. Right. And then subsequently a black son, which I had no choice in the matter, but that just what is what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, so, wait, can Obama be president again? I really wanted my baby to come out with Obama. No, that was a disappointment for my youngest also. Oh. I mean, just that he wasn't going to remember Obama as his president. That was the thing that, like, broke me. Yeah. Yeah. And how I, I'm just curious as yeah. to, like, you said you were having baby fever, where you're standing at this point in the landscape of motherhood. I think in having these conversations with you all, and especially this idea of uh, raising the culture, we, we always talk about doing it for the culture, whether it's like hustling or like having five or 10 different jobs, uh, speaking to people who are mothers, it's like, oh my God, you are literally raising the culture. And you are imbuing that in, a personhood, and I think that's such a beautiful thing. When I think about my work, uh, it's at the intersection of creating new systems of consciousness around culture, which is hardly a job description. <laughs> but um, what does that look like on a day to day? Me on my laptop like this. <laughs> um, it's, it's really interesting work to think about, for me in my line of work, about semiotics, about the way meaning is made, about how we create culture, how we consume culture, and how we are producing, manipulating, using it as currency and things like this, um, and thinking about bringing a child into this dark time, quote unquote, as people like to call it, uh, is a very scary thought for me. And, I love seeing reflections of people who are doing it. Yeah. And, and I really, I want to know um, what a surprising moment has been in your path to discovery with motherhood and what you wish your community knew about that moment. Um, you know, I think I get surprised every day that I'm still alive and still a mom. I always made the joke about with Elise saying when I found out I was pregnant, well, when I found out I was having a girl, I cried so hard. And I cried for the reason that, for the many reasons that what we deal with today, which is how do you raise a, a young girl in the climate that we are in now? With um, the Me Too movement, with the R. Kelly's in the world, with, you know, all of this hate and this bigotry, I'm just like, how do I raise my child to remember that she will, doesn't have to take second place when she's not given second place, when she comes in first, when she works her asses off. I was like, how do I explain that? I was on the phone with my sister crying my ass off, and she thought I was a psychopath, but I was like, no, 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 I can't raise a child. Like, how do, I don't even know how to tell myself I'm in first place, you know? So I think, um, I, I think I've been surprised on every single day that I, the words that I tell my daughter, she doesn't listen, but I'm like, you're good, you're doing great. Whatever you're doing, you're doing great. Go ahead, walk, go ahead, crawl. And I was surprised that I made it this far because I was pregnant, I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to tell this young girl. Like, what happens if she does, you know, work her behind off and finds out that she's not gonna be the greatest in her career because there's a, she's up against a man or whatever. Like, how do I tell a girl that she has to protect herself when she's walking on the street because it might be someone to chant at her, you know? Because I, and I also went on her whole rave, like I remember being 11 years old and men were pulling over trying to get me in their cars. And that was so normal to me. And it's like, that's not okay. And it's not appropriate for a young girl. And I was like, how do I protect this child? And I didn't know, so I survived. We're surviving. Um, so I had a girl first and I had all, I mean, I, that, 
you just encapsulated all of it. And then what was surprising was I had two boys after that. And what's been interesting about that um, is that my, my background is in feminism and specifically intersectional feminism, and that's what I've been doing for about 25 years and working at the intersection of culture and politics. Uh, it's actually scarier for me, at least, to be raising boys because I think we've carved out a lot of space for conversation around how we raise our, our girls, right? And there's, and there's you know, um, content and, and books and media platforms. And, and once you're doing podcasts about parenting or doing anything within feminism, you get you know, every book about getting your period and t-shirts and they, they're brave and courageous and blah, 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 blah. And my daughter who still hasn't gotten her period is literally like, if I get one more book about my period, like, <laughs> no, I know everything there is. No. On the on the flip side, there's nothing for boys. And um, and if we're honest, bo you know, boys are the problem. I don't think we necessarily need to be changing our girls. And I don't think, I refuse to tell my daughter, who's 11, who absolutely is having creepy guys come up to her every single day and tells me about it. I don't want to tell her that she needs, I mean, she does need to protect herself. And in fact, last night I showed her my favorite um, self-defense move. Does anyone know this oh. one? Is this, is this Krav Maga? What is this? Wait, what is it, what? Krav Maga, is that Krav the self that like a self I only remember Miss Congeniality. Do you remember okay. this? Did you not? I don't know. All I know is I remember this one. If someone grabs you from behind, you stomp their foot, you knee them in the, oh, you I do this, that. and then you get them in the balls, and then you turn around, you stick your fingers Ooh. in their eyeballs. Damn, and, that's a lot to remember. Oh, no, no, because it's a whole thing. You're like, boom, 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 boom. Like, you get them, and, and I've never had have the, to see oh, this. Yeah, no, I've never had the chance. But so she and I did it a bunch and we were laughing and it was fun. But like the truth is boys are the problem and my boys are white boys. My boys are the problem. So <laughs> I'm actually, I mean, they're, you know, they, they potentially could be, they're great. Right. They're amazing. But um, so I'm actually really interested in creating content for them and creating conversation around that because to be honest, you know, now that I'm 11 years into this parenting thing, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. I don't know if any of this is going to work. I'm walking in the dark every day, and um, and I feel guilty every day, and I feel like a fraud every day, and that doesn't go away, and there's no such thing as work-life balance. And as far as work-life balance goes, like, that's the men's problem also. That, like, shouldn't be our problem. It's true. Absolutely. Okay. It's true. I have a little quote, that's why I was on my phone. <laughs> and it, we discussed this on the phone. Uh, there's twofold to that, being the mother of a son. I did the same thing you did when I found out that I was having a boy, I cried. And I cried because I felt like I knew what it meant to be a woman. I am obsessed with my mother. She's an incredible woman. We have a deep, thanks. We have a really deep relationship and I just was craving to be able to replicate that with my daughter. I was having dreams, I was having a girl, I was, you like, I was convinced. And so I found out I had a son, and I was like, how? How will I raise him? How, and especially being a young black man in this country. So, two, two, little, two prong. One, I was talking to like our mutual friend, Mara Hoffman, who will be also on Cool Moms, and she said, no, this is such an opportunity to be, and what a privilege to be able to raise the men that we want to see in this world. And so that, that shifted everything for me. <clears throat> and I had to do so much unlearning and relearning myself in terms of what masculinity looked like. What did I expect of men? What did I expect of my son? Because in dating and, and, and interacting with men on a day to day, I have certain expectations as I'm sure many of us do. And then when I thought about my son, I was like, no, no, no. I want him to be exactly who he wants to be and express himself and, and emote and, and know how to be authentically himself in all the ways, without any sort of um, weird societal norms placed on him, especially at home. And then I came across this quote. Bring out your quote, girl. Let me bring out my quote. Mm -hmm. So it's a good one. So it's Dr. Valerie Carr. And she said, uh, what if the darkness we are in right now is not the darkness of the tomb, but the darkness of the womb? What'd that mean? Okay, right, sit with it. 
Take it. Take it in. Yes, it's a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> and so this idea that it's so easy for us to be consumed with fear and anxiety and stress about everything that is going on. You go on Instagram, on Twitter, on the news, and you are consumed with just <laughs> heavy shit. And you know, it says you can. It says a lot about society when we see how women and children are treated. And so I think that we are in a really dark place. However, I in having a child, what it forced me to have was hope. And what it the first time in my life, I really considered what the future looked like. And I don't know if that's because I'm a woman. I don't know if that's because I'm black. I'm not really sure. I think it's it's very layered. But I, it was hard for me to imagine the future. It was hard for me to imagine growing old until I had a child. And I wanted to be here, and I wanted to really care about my world outside of self. What does the environment look like? Damn, am I recycling? You know, <laughs> like, see, truly, you know, because it's not just about me anymore. I want my son to have a place in this earth physically right. <laughs> to be able to exist. And so I, I truly believe that right now we are at, a, at right at the precipice of a shift because you have to be aware. Like, you can't exist right now and not be aware of the things that are going on and what is your role in it and how are we literally birthing what the future is and what a phenomenal privilege that is, you know? And, and I want to contextualize the role of the community and the tribe in that, especially for mothers who have, you know, unique dynamics with the way that they're raising young ones. I myself have really radical politics, whether it comes to my like actual political life or my romantic life and things like that. I identify as queer, and I have a lot of these uh, sort of shifting and tense situations that come up for me from the way I was raised to like the way I've sort of come into my own identity now. And uh, before I sort of go down my own journey with motherhood, I want to be able to show up for the mothers in my life. And I want to understand what my role is in supporting that. So I'm curious to hear from you all about ways in which you do activate your community in that way or you would like to and like, you know, sharing that offering with us? I mean, I think about this quite a bit. I'm, um, my husband works away a lot and there are whole periods of time where I'm solo parenting. I, I really believe that mothering is a verb and, um, and that there's, you know, culturally we've gotten to this, you know, very American place of individualism and in that we should be able to raise these kids by ourselves. And that's not normal. Like if you look back throughout history, it's all about extended family and chosen family and parents and aunts and uncles and friends. And that is the only way I've been able to survive. And I don't even, you know, I think if you have a close group of friends, you don't even need to name it, you just, they just know. And there are certain people who... If you birth it, they will come. Yeah, you know, I mean, there were, I remember last summer there was a period where I was in the hospital with my middle son for 19 hours. It happened really suddenly. We thought his appendix, some, you know, it, it was fine. But so I called two friends and they came over and then when they had to leave, some other friends came over. And I think that's the only way to get it done. And I would say that the people who are most important in my children's lives are our friends who don't have kids and the and the young people in my life who don't have kids and um you know and who know how to like make sims work or you know <laughs> know about pokemon or yeah. and and really just surrounding your kids with an interesting group of people that don't necessarily look like them or you know i mean i think that's the only way you can do it yeah, I actually, the Aries came out of me and I realized how selfish I was this whole time before I became a mom. Because I realized when I was living my New York City girl life, the idea, because I didn't have a child, mothers, I didn't really look at them. I have to be honest, I feel guilty because I didn't look at them. Like, of course I'll hold the door for a mom with a stroller, I'll help them go up and down the steps, but I, I wasn't really paying attention to my mom friends. 
I had no idea what they were going through. I had no, I just didn't think about it. I was like, oh yeah, I'll deal with it when, I have to, when I'm pregnant, I'll think about it. But I didn't, they didn't cross my mind. And until I became pregnant, as, until I became so fearful, because I was like, ooh, I don't want to be left alone. I was so, like you said, I was so hung up on being a New York girl, being an individual, being independent. And then I became pregnant, and I was scared to be alone. And I was even, you know, just nervous that what happens if I'm left with this child by myself? Uh, and again, I have a partner, you know, I have my husband with me, but when he leaves, I'm alone, and I'm a single mom again. And those things feared me, but I became pregnant, and all these people showed up, um, friends that are here. I was getting text messages, and they were friends who weren't moms, and they were so, they empathized, and they had this sympathy for me, and they were just reaching out and make sure out, making sure I was okay, offering to, like, do all these things, like, do you need this? Do you need a crib? And I was like, why do you care? I didn't care. Like, I didn't. I didn't care about these things when I wasn't pregnant. Like, I didn't care to reach out to my friends who were pregnant and ask them what do they need, how do they need help, and I felt so guilty and I felt like a piece of shit, because I was like, oh, you should have done more, because there were so many people around me, so many women around me who deserved more, and I think I'm more conscious now that I'm a mom to always constantly do that check-in and that check-up. And even the, the smallest gifts were the biggest gifts. Like again, that first week of motherhood, I was in a daze. That was like this time last year. I was in a daze. I was confused and it was dark and it was cold and I was in a new house by myself filled with boxes. And then people were sending me seamless orders. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. I didn't think about that. I didn't think that, that I couldn't eat. I couldn't cook for myself. My body was in pain. I'm bleeding. I'm wearing a diaper. And I'm in a room with a crying baby who just will not sleep. We haven't slept. And I'm scared. And people were reaching out to me and delivering soup to my door. And I just stopped and I said, I wish I came forward to those, pe to those mothers before me. I wish I was that supporting factor, um, that supporting, that backbone to those mothers that, that I knew that were going through this because they'd done it alone and I had no clue, but I could have just sent that text message. I was dying for a conversation. I was dying, I was FaceTiming anyone who was willing to accept my FaceTime. I know, you were all in my text. I was like, hey, I was like, hey, Elise. <laughs> Sending me paragraphs. Yeah, what are you okay. watching? Yeah, I was like, what are you watching Wendy today? Wendy Williams. Well, show uh, me. <laughs> and I do feel guilty, but I am so appreciative for those who did, those friends, those non-moms, who and those moms who showed up. So now today, I show up. So if y'all need a seamless order, hit me up. <laughs> I will. No, not you. You done. <laughs> I, already, I, already, I already checked off everything you need. I'm good. I'm like, you good now. So... I just by a show of hands, I'm curious how many people in this room are not mothers? Damn! Wow. Okay, for everyone listening, Impressive. thank you, Anchor Amazing. FM, for recording this live for us. That is pretty much everyone in the room. Like so this is really exciting and fantastic. So Incredible. I think there's a couple ways that we can show up in terms of like, hey, Kai. <laughs> in terms of, here's part of my community of moms. Hey, and, uh, Ways that you can show up for moms that you know, ways that you can show up for moms that you don't know. So, example number one, you're in public. It is brunch. It is Saturday. <laughs> right? It's a picture. You want your mimosa. You want your eggs benedict. And there is a mom with a baby. And, like, maybe the baby's a little fussy and you're sitting next to her and you're just trying to have your drinks and catch up on the week. Don't glare at her funny. Don't look annoyed that her baby is crying because, damn, she just wanted to get out the house. And she deserves to get out the house with the baby. One really fantastic way to support mothers that you do not know is just to say, hey, are you okay? Can I help you with something? You want to talk? Would, you would be surprised if you see a mom with a stroller and she's trying to take the bag off and put the baby down and say, hey, I can, I can grab your bag for you, no problem. You have no idea how that can really change someone's day because something, I know for me, I became really self-aware when I became a mom in public. God, everyone's looking at me. Everyone's so annoyed with me. My baby's crying. I got all this shit. That's so messed up. That that's like the trigger response. Yeah. No, it is. It's like you, you kind of want to make yourself small and you want to be like, no, 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 I'm supposed to be here too. Yep, your breast leaking. It's, it's okay. It's okay. I'm supposed to be here too. So that's a really, like, really simple way to show up for people that you do not know is just to ask, hey, can I grab that for you? Let me get that for you. Those kinds of things go a long way. And in terms of community of women that you do know, I also, I guess, I don't even know what traditional is. I feel like it's so antiquated at this point, but 
when I became pregnant, uh, my partner lives down south, and I was really torn with, do I leave New York? Do I leave my community of women that I love and that I trust? Do I leave my career and my opportunities and everything I've built here to like do what seems a bit safer, which is to be with his dad and have that support in the same home? Or do I just keep doing my thing? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to keep doing my thing. So we decided to co-parent from different states. So that was a lot. <laughs> and I ha didn't know what I was getting myself into, and I still don't at this point. <laughs> I'm about to move <laughs> One across. day at a time. Like, One day at a time. Uh, but that's when I really saw women step up, and especially my friends who did not have children. People checking in on me, people, like you said, bringing me food, but more importantly, people treating you the way they treated you before you had a kid. That was one of the biggest things. Like, hey girl, there is this really great art film that's coming out playing at such and such. Did you want to come? I know so-and-so can babysit for you. Let's go. Those are really great ways to show up because like, yes, we're so in love with our baby, but also we want to feel like Elise and Lizzie and Sarah and Hawa and not somebody's mama Yeah, all the time. So those are really, really important ways that people showed up in my life. Uh, and it is the most humbling experience because you cannot do it alone. And in Western culture, yeah. we are meant to feel like we're supposed to be really insulated yeah. <laughs> and like handle all your shit. No, don't. Rely on people, ask for help. I had to start learning how to really like open my mouth and say, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I need help. You know, I, I sit back and I felt so fucking selfish again thinking about my mama. You're like, damn, how did our mamas do this? I don't know. How is she still doing it? I honestly don't know. I'm yeah. really, <laughs> I'm a troublemaker. But it, but it changes your relationship to your parents yeah. and allows you to forgive them for certain things, yep. which is beautiful. And you also realize like, you know what? We all got here and we all survived. And what I understand about my parents now is they showed up with you know, in the moment they were alive with the ingrained crap they were brought up with, and we're going to show up in the same way with the ingrained crap we were brought up with, mm -hmm. and um, we're all just doing the best we can. And like historic, I mean, this is an interesting factoid that um, parents right now are spending more time with their children than any other time in history. There's more helicopter parenting. There's more like intensive guilt around parenting and statistics show that that's not necessarily good for our kids mm. and that we're all doing a little too much. So, um, well, and, and helicopter a, parents are now snowplow parents. That's wait, the new term. What is wait, this, I don't know what that what is. What does that mean? They're, they're like snowplows, they're like paving paths and like moving stuff kind of out of the way, but not like having that like death grip. Right. And one of the most important things anyone ever told me was, it's our job just to raise functioning adults. Like, that's it. And it's imperative that we fuck up because otherwise they will not want to leave. And, you know, and oh. it's... <laughs> oh, no, no. And it's imperative that we let them fail and it's imperative, you know, like, within reason. Like, I value my own independence enough that I would not want to begrudge my children of their own either. And... And it's hard, like my 11 year old in the last year grew like five inches. We're wearing the same size shoe. She's going, she goes to school by herself. She takes the subway by herself. Um, and it's beautiful and it's also really hard. And I have to remind myself every day I'm raising an adult. It is my job. Like motherhood is just this relentless process of letting go. The second that child is out of your body, you are just creating an escape hatch for them. And that is it sort of, um, which is, yeah. um, I'm like, damn, that's that is what we're no, doing. I'm sorry, I'm sorry but, that's, but that's our job, you know, and, um, and, and to make them feel unconditionally loved, like, that's it, and also, we're the garbage can. Like, those are the three things. I ain't garbage. What, do you want to know? Oh, yeah, no, okay. okay. This, Wait till like, you're okay, talking. But, but this is also for people with older kids, but also, like, you know, I, I do think, you know, because of social media and be, and just because in New York we're exposed to so many people, it's so easy to 
judge other parents. And like my role for myself is when I start judging other parents, it's time to check myself because obviously there's something going on with me that is <laughs> not cool. You're a good um, person because I judge. <laughs> yeah, I, I try not to because I think we're all really just doing the best we can. Right. It, it's right. hard. It's hard. But, but one thing that I found really profound, and I think this can like extend to beyond parenting, is when we think of intimacy, right? We think of like, especially with your kids, you think of like cuddling and being close and, you know, that unique privilege we have to have. You know, like the, just last night, two of my kids were like all over my body and lying on me. And, and I was like, you know, I don't, obviously with my husband, yes, but like it's such a special thing that we get to experience that kind of intimacy with someone. The other thing about intimacy is we are at our best and we are at our worst. And as your kids get older, and especially when their hormones start going, they're coming home to you because you're their safe place with all their anxiety and all their hormones and all their shit, and they are dumping it on you because you are safe and they know you will love them and you are the garbage can and you just got to be the garbage can. Okay. And, and it's like because that. you've made them feel like they can and you're not going to like... Um, Oh gosh, what's that? I'm old. What's the thing? We're, I'm not gonna cancel them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna cancel them just because they're mean to me when they come home or like you know leave their dirty underwear on the floor, whatever it is. Um, and that was actually like a really helpful thing for me mm -hmm. to hear because that's the truth, you know. I love that. Me too. I'm a cute garbage can. Mm -hmm. I'm like low-key into that. I think because I'm a cancer, I have endless patience. Cancers. But I know that it's different when it's your own. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, when you were talking about intimacy, I am a person that I really, prior to having a child, really value my alone time, my personal space. Like, I don't really want my friends to bring me a lot of heavy emotions. <laughs> I'll listen, but like it's like, okay, girl, I hope you feel better. Um, <laughs> so um, now, now I'm that parent. I sleep in the same bed with my son because I don't want to be apart, and I just like it better when we sleep in the same bed. And when we wake up in the morning, he kisses me in the mouth now, or he smacks me in the head, like one of the two. But either way, I'm so excited. I'm like, oh, I love you. I'm so into you. I'm so glad you're here. And it is, it is like you were saying, such a privilege um, because really parenting, you are in the most intimate way watching someone literally become themselves. Right. It's not, and we've got another cool mom in here, Kai. Kai, hi, Kai. Hey, Kai. Kai, I think it was like episode four on cool moms and her episode was, uh, I want to serve as a guide. And I think that was a really important note from her episode is that we are here, I'm going to adopt this philosophy, that we are here just to guide our children to become themselves. You are not in charge of teaching them everything. You do not teach them everything. That is why you have a whole world around you of people. That's why you have community. You don't teach them everything. You're just here for the, to guide them to become themselves and hopefully the best version of themselves, right? Yeah, and once they are talking, I mean, I think the best thing you can do is listen and learn from them yeah. too. I mean, they've been guides to me. I mean, in, in intense and profound ways. So, yeah. I, uh, I think this is a really fantastic time to do a little workshop. So, what we're gonna, wait, who are the moms in the building? There's like four of us. Okay, oh, okay, fantastic. So, what we wanna do is, think of this as speed dating. We're all gonna get together, we're gonna get real close and intimate, get to know each other, and you're just gonna go, like speed dating or church, I don't know if you guys go to church, but in the beginning, you got to shake your neighbor's hand, hug your neighbor, say how you're doing. So you're going to take a moment and think about a question that you have, right? How is this the best? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> think about a question, questions, things that have been bubbling and brewing in your mind that you're like, mm, I'm going to ask them, what did that mean? What are they talking about? I don't know. Or maybe we didn't answer or touch on a topic that you would love to discuss. And I, we would love for you guys to discuss it 
amongst yourselves, preferably finding someone who is the opposite of you. So if you have a child, find someone that does not have a child and have quick dialogue and then move around the room. So this is gonna require you to get up, yes. This is gonna require you to talk, yes. Usually in church, whenever I may go to church, when I'm curious, <laughs> this is the part of the service that makes me sweat because I'm like, damn, I gotta go talk to people I don't know. Um, but yes, yeah, so you're gonna get up, you're gonna talk to each other, and then we're gonna reconvene and just kind of like share what we learned because again, none of us on this panel are experts. We're just speaking from personal experience. So it's great for us to like talk to each other. And then we can come back together and see and what we learn. let's get really nosy, like get nosy, get all up in the business. Yeah, you also can totally come to us. Too. All right. And moms can also impart or request certain things from non mothers that they would like to see more in their world. Hi, buddy. Hey, Sergeant, come. Let's do a wrap Special real quick. guest appearance. Come here, little daddy. What do you want to tell them? What you got? Nothing. All right. Later. Don't put them on the spot. Damn. Sorry. Yeah, come with your wraps. Ready. Okay, great. So we'll do that for like the next, let's say, 10-ish minutes. 10-ish minutes? 10-ish, 15 minutes or so, and then we'll come back together and chit-chat and see what we found out. Sounds good? Y'all, they got to hear you after the recording. You got to be like, yes! Okay, great. <laughs>